0: Today's Old Testament reading is from Isaiah the 66th chapter. <clears throat> For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations in tongues, and they shall come and, and shall see my glory. And I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Paul, Lud, and draw, who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord, on horses and in chariots, and in litters, and on mules and on dromedaries, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the, for as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offering and your name remain, from new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath. All flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, this is the word of the Lord. The psalm reading is from Psalm 50, verses 1 through 15. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth. That he may judge his people Gather to me my faithful ones Who made a covenant with me by sacrifice The heavens declare his righteousness For God himself is judge Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak O Israel, I will testify against you I am God, your God Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you Your burnt offerings are continually before me I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the most high. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. The New Testament reading is from Hebrews, the 12th chapter. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be troubled or what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who who warns And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire.
1: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Jesus went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, "But, but we ate and drank in your presence and you taught on our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out and people will come from east and west and from north and south, and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The gospel of our Lord.
2: Praise you, Lord Christ. I'm going
1: to have a seat. Alright, so this was one of the, I said so earlier today, of all the sermons that last almost two and a half years, this one was the hardest. So if it's hard on me, no, sometimes it's challenging for me to communicate with everybody else. So in this one, we'll just say a quick prayer Heavenly Father, work your miracle, please. Let your Holy Spirit work your miracle between my brain and my mouth, and their ears and their brains and their hearts, that whatever is said is adjusted by you to be right. Lord, that it would be bring you honor and glory, Amen. All right, so weeks ago when we started this this journey, um, it was towards Jerusalem. So it's it's almost eight weeks ago, I think, now that we had that we read in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter nine, verse fifty-one, that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. That was a hard setting in a course. It was a hard direction, and it was like an unwavering march. I am going there, and He already knew what was going to happen there. He knew that they would betray him, they knew it would be ugly, they knew he'd be all alone. He knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem, but he set his face towards there. So it was an intentional um, uh, disclosure. He was letting everybody know what was going to happen, and there is where he went. So we started that in chapter 9. He doesn't arrive in Jerusalem until chapter 19, like verse 27. Right? So in this gap, these 10 chapters, we have Jesus moving. Towards Jerusalem. But for us to remember, I mean, I know we know this. We hear this all the time. So don't let the familiarity diminish the importance. Okay? It's important. You've heard these things before, but let them rise back up today in their importance. Once Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, he was determined that between that time and Jerusalem, and it wasn't a linear line, that he was going to go through every town and village. Possible. Actually, he went through every town and village to make sure that they had the opportunity to see God's love acted through him, that they would hear the good news that he would say, that they would hear the right teaching about holiness and righteousness that he would teach, and that they would have examples to see his power and his love. And so he went from town to town, little place to little place. He met people along the way. If they couldn't see him, he healed their eyes so they could see. If they couldn't hear him because they were deaf, he healed their ears so they could hear. If they were lame and they were outcasts he brought them back in and said you're no longer dirty you're no longer defiled come back in to be be declared clean and come to me right so he's going around from countryside he even went a little bit into Samaria to make sure that even that land would get a taste of this good news that was Jesus Christ the son of God and so he's moving and in this he's also talking about repentance We started off in chapter 13. If you look at the chapter, chapter 13 starts off with, they're saying, well, Lord, who was more evil? Or why did they die when that tower fell on them? He says, it wasn't because they were evil that the tower fell. It just fell. But disaster will come to you as well unless you repent. And what about when Herod, or they killed the people who were building this stuff? He says, you know, that same fate will come to you unless you repent. So he starts off the chapter that we're reading today with repentance. And repentance, I mean, we know this, we hear it all the time, but again, repentance is what we're called to be and to live at as, as Christians, all right? We are called to continuously work to put our eyes towards Jesus, put our, our hearts towards the way and the will of our Heavenly Father, and to turn our whole bodies to move in His direction. That is repentance. It's a turning towards and a moving towards. It's repentance. Repentance is not about Perfection. Because we will constantly have our eyes diverted. We will constantly have our hearts hearts over here in wrong places. We'll constantly have our bodies moving in directions we will not want to go. But we, in this repentance, is like we're going to hear God calling in again and says, no, we're going to have another course correction. We're going to get back on track. We're going back towards Jesus. And we're going to say we're sorry. We're going to confess our sins, all of them. And we're going to wage that war to go in that direction. So he's been talking about this and about the difficulties of this and the challenges of this, but that it's worthwhile. That the end of this repentance, it's, it's a good thing, right? So he's been talking about the kingdom. And when you hear about the word kingdom, you can almost interchange it with salvation. Salvation means kingdom. Kingdom means salvation. They're both. They're like interchangeable. So on this, and then we hear in, the, in this journey towards the Jerusalem, there's a lot of miracles, Well, if he didn't do miracles, they might not have believed, or they would have had cause not to believe. They needed signs. They didn't need some evidence to say, we're going to believe you and do what you say, um, even if it's uncomfortable for me. Well, why? Because I just watched you heal the blind person. I just watched you heal the deaf person. In fact, we remembered in one of our lessons in the last eight weeks that Jesus was like reckless with his healing. He was indiscriminate with his healing. Remember that? He just went and everybody was healed. We talked about that in that one day. He was... There was almost no illness left between the time he left this place and the time he got to Jerusalem. Because he was going through the whole land just healing people because he wanted to make sure that he had no excuse. He was the son of God. He was displaying the power and the love of God, indiscriminate love, blessing that they had no deserving of. And they could absolutely know that this one, he's different. Not only does he teach with power and authority, but he can even command the Spirit's. To leave, he can command the illnesses to go away. He has power and love like no one has ever had in the history of the world. We need to listen to him. So he's doing that. He's moving from town to town, place to place, doing these things. And I know you've heard it. I've heard it. But today we need to remember it because we remembered in the very first verse. He's going to Jerusalem, and and right now he's in this path. He's going towards Jerusalem. Okay. Now along this ways, there are. It starts off with a few following. And then there's like maybe hundreds following. And then it turns into thousands and crowds that you couldn't number following. Eventually, he's like on hillsides with over 5,000 people gathered up there. So the crowds are getting larger and larger at some point. But at some point, there's also a breaking point. Because when he starts teaching about some of the truths of the kingdom, it's in direct opposite to what they've been taught and what they're looking for okay and we know about this as well increasingly by the time he gets now to this third year of his ministry getting closer to jerusalem after all that he's said after all that he's he's healed after feeding them until their bellies were really full after all that he's done the population he knows is not receiving him they're only following him because of their personal prophets, their bellies, and possibly some other things. And that possibly some of the other things are were is that they believed that they were people born of Abraham and Abraham was going to be blessed. And so they're waiting for a Messiah to come who's going to bring God's blessing and restore God's blessing again. They were absolutely a people in that line of David, in that family of God that was had a King David. And they knew that a king was going to come again. He was going to be their Messiah. and He was going to establish a right government, a good theocracy in Jerusalem with God as the God and the people leading and a holiness. And from that place that they would be, people would come from all over the neighboring countries to Jerusalem once again and give honor and homage, if you will, to the kings and to their God like they had done in the past they were looking forward to that day when the Romans would no longer be here and all the pagan gods would be removed and they would be restored to this they were looking forward to that day of blessing and honor and goodness in their mind and Jesus well he wasn't talking about that kind of kingdom they're interested in uh, they're not interested in in a repentance daily what do we have to repent? We're children of Abraham. I don't want to have to change my ways. I don't want to have to make that much of a course direction. I want the blessings of Abraham. I want the kingdom over here. I want all the people over here. I want the armies and the prosperity like never before. I want all that, but oh, not my heart. They're not interested in a change of heart. They're not interested in a Roman cross. And Jesus has already said some things that he, unless you pick up my cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. I'm not interested in a cross, Jesus. Right? Who wants to die on that cross? Who wants to work that hard carrying that cross? Who wants the shame and the, and the pain and the isolation that comes with that? They're not interested in loving like he loves He'll love, even if someone slaps his face, he'll give him the other cheek. If someone wants his jacket, he'll take everything down. I mean, he he just loves in a way that they're not interested in loving, he's serving people in a way that they're not interested in serving. Oh yeah, I'll do a little bit here, a little sometimes I'll will give a little bit of my stuff over here sometimes. But really if it comes to the nitty-gritty, don't change my comfort, don't change don't let me fast so that someone else who's unworthy can eat. They they set boundaries, but not Jesus. So I'm not interested in going that hard and that far with discipleship. They're not interested in dying to their personal dreams and agendas. And Jesus says, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, unless you die, you have no part. And so right there, there starts the great divide. Increasingly, there's a separation. And this was told in the very first words of John's gospel. John 1, 10 and 11. The very first chapter. He came to the world, the world that was made through him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. That leads us to today's words. Some of the first times that we get some heartbreak of God mentioned. um, Hard for me to read. Hard for me to try to talk about today. The hard words of today's lessons. Um, Someone in the crowd asks, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Okay, We've got to remember that that's based off of their understanding as Jewish people of the remnant. Okay? They always know that they've experienced that the masses of the population are going to go in a sinful direction eventually, and that out of those masses, but there's going to be a remnant. You know, when they were talking about Solomon and Gomorrah, well, what if there's 100, what if there's 50, what if there's 30, what if there's 10? That 10 would be the remnant. And the whole city is destroyed, but these 10 would be saved, right? Well, they had that based off of Noah. The whole world would be destroyed, but there'd be Noah and his family. There'd be eight that lived. And over the time of Elijah, they had the whole nation was worshiping these things and consumed with their own agendas, but there were 7,000 that hadn't been their need of all. So we have this idea... It, deeply engraved into their hearts and their minds that there'd be a remnant. And so they're finding out, they're asking Jesus, Lord, is it going to be like that? Is there only going to be like you and your 12? Or is there hope for us? They're trying to figure out their place in this. Am I going to be saved, Lord? What's the odds of me being saved? If it's one out of 100, oh, what do I have to do to get that 100? So they're thinking this ways. And, and Jesus says, it's not about numbers. It's not about your odds. It's not about your percentages. It's not about how little do I have to give in order to get my C to pass. Is it 69.99999 or is it a firm 70? Right? They're trying to figure that out. And Jesus says it's not about that. It's not about how little of your heart you have to give. He says you need to go all in. Okay? Strong words. Strong words. A heartbreaking moment. He says... The words in the strong words has to do with, with strive. And that word, boy, there's a better translation for it. The word for strive in here, and I think you've heard these things, you've had to heard this before, but agnizomai. I don't say it very well, it's a Greek word. But you know what we get our word from that one? Agonize, okay? So just say agonize. They use the word agonize to stay on the narrow road, the narrow door, right? The narrowness. So you're going to agonize over it. Well, even agonize is just like almost like random suffering. If you're agonizing, it could be because there was a hailstorm. I didn't do anything for the hailstorm. It could be agonizing. some a random nature thing. This isn't agonizing. This is agonizing in, in, the, in the sense of an athlete or a warrior. That's where they used that word in other places in Scripture. So in this one, agonizing is like in the struggle. And you guys get well. Some of you know Nanette is in. It has got a full time job, and, and she's working in 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 the, in the town where we used to live for the district attorney's office down there. She's been down there now for a couple three weeks, and and so while while she's away, we are in carnivore place because she's cooking all these vegetarians, and so we're grilling a lot. So we're kind of a carnivore happy place, but along that happy place is also. The boys and I, instead of always watching like um, Beat Bobby Flay and, and the Cooking Channel, the other night I had the opportunity with the boys to watch something that we could, you know, scratch and and, and snort and act like guys. And it was a UFC fight. And I can't stand for UFC. I'm not. A, however, it, there was, we watched a UFC fight. Okay. And the, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because that fight is reflective of this word, strive. This word, agonize for the narrow door. Okay? Agonizing for it. Alright, there's a champion and they're like the strong weights, like the 175, 185s. These are these are the taller, stronger guys that really hit and kick hard. And so there's the champion and the challenger, the challenger is exceptional. And so round one comes up, and, and they're man, they're going at it hard. They're, in the UFC, there's no rules. I mean, there are some rules. I think you can't bite, but you really can't bite because you've got a mouthpiece. I don't think there's headbutts. I don't think they allow that. But other than that, fists, arms, elbows, shoulders, knees, thighs, ankles, feet, toes, pinkies. I mean, if whatever you can do to inflict something on somebody, make them quit, you can choke them out, twist their arms, twist their ankles, it's full contact, right? So here you go. You got this champion and, and, and this challenger. This champion says, This belt's mine, and you're not gonna take it. Maybe off my dead body. And the challenger says, That's belt, that belt's mine, and I'm gonna take it off your broken body. So you got these two guys, they're just warriors, right? And they got this common thing they're fighting for. In the first round, they've gone at each other hard. And they're starting to show signs of it. In round two, they've gone each other even more hard. Now they're getting success and some lack of success. And they know what they can try to do. And they're maneuvering them in round two. By round three, they're starting to show signs of fatigue and the wear. All right. They get bloodied up and they get broken up. Their legs are swelling because they've been kicked in the legs. And their, their ribs aren't working right because they've been hit. I mean, they're starting to show the effects of their war, but they won't quit. Both of them have been knocked down, one in the first round, one in the second round. They're inflicting this, but neither one will quit. At the end of every round, they're sitting in the corners, and both of them were asking their coaching staffs, did I win the round? How did I do? And you know what their coaching staff said to them? They never said you won the round. They didn't say if you didn't win the round. They said you stay your course. Trust your training. Stay to our plan. We have not adjusted it. Remember to do this, remember to do this, remember to do this. Forget about the rounds, go out and win this next round. Stay your course. And then the fourth round, they're getting more tired. You know what happens at the end of the fifth round? I mean, they were so tired, they were swinging like this. They couldn't even get their arms to hardly work. Their legs, they couldn't even get them up to try to kick. When the bell rang at the end of the fourth round, or the end of the fifth round, okay, these are five minute rounds and there's five of them. That's a long time to be doing this, right? 25 minutes. At the end of that one, they were first here trying to hit each other. At the end of that, they both put their arms up on the cage like this, and the other one right there, and they just put their arms up there, and they were in complete exhaustion. Complete exhaustion. And no one knew who was going to win the fight. At that point, they didn't know. Their coaches didn't know. It was a draw. 29-28 for this guy. 29-28 for this guy who's going to win third vote third judge decides 29 28 for this guy that's how close it was i bring that ufc thing and that struggle that epic thing on here because in here that's agonize that's strive that's to war that's to battle When Jesus is saying, you strive for that narrow gate, that narrow door. You're to throw everything you have into it. And you don't ask if you're winning. You don't ask how well you're doing. You're just striving for this victory at all costs. And you put every ounce of energy into this. You will strive to follow Jesus Christ in the direction he goes as fast as he goes, period. You don't ask how much more, Lord. You just keep up. If he says to do this, you do it. I mean, it's that intense and it's that important strive to be this near strive for this narrow door Now that's a direct composition or conflict with a lot of things we get in the world right now there's two errors in the world that we have one was a little older and it still exists and one's really popular these days the first error was is that you can work your way to heaven that actually if you if you do this war that you're going to win if you engage in that cage that ufc fight that you're going to win jesus doesn't say you're going to win That's a lie. You can't. We can't ever earn our way to heaven. We will not be able to work our way in. We won't win that title. We're just going to strive to stay close to the one who's going to give us the title. Right? So on there, the works righteousness, that was a lie. We can't work our way there. It's a gift. Simultaneously, there's another lie that says, oh, it's so easy. You just say this prayer, you know, you get this music all stirred up, and you hear this message, you're so moved emotionally on this day that you're going to say, I believe in Jesus, I confess my sins, and that's all you have to do, right? Just, just say the right words, and your life doesn't have to reflect it. So on one string, you have to try to work your way in. On the other extreme, you just say a couple of cute words occasionally, and you think you're in, and both of those are off. Both of those are lies. Jesus tells us the answer. It's neither one of those. It's it's strive to enter the narrow door. That is not a one and done. That is a life of continuing from the time the bell rings in the first round until your very last exhausted moment and your life ends at the very last bell. You strive, you fight to remain holy and true to your Lord Jesus. You do the things that please your Lord. If there's any hint that it does not please God, you don't even think about it. That's how intense your war is. Don't even think about the temptations. It's a narrow path. We don't ask how well we're doing. We just say, God, forgive me for the things I've done wrong, and I'm going in for this next round, this next day, this next day, one day at a time, fighting for holiness and righteousness with Jesus. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and it works. He ends his chapter, this little piece with, even though there'll be many that will knock and they will not come in, and guys, that's gotta hurt. What would it be like to be a parent and have an unruly child who doesn't love you, who hasn't shown respect for you, has been destructive to you and your family, and they're such a monster that you have to put them out of your house for a time and a season? How hard would it be to do that? Would it break your heart to say goodbye to a child that was that much of a monster? And how about that child is knocking on the door saying, give me another chance. And it's only been five minutes and you can't say you. I mean, that's got to hurt. Well, our perfect God in love is telling us right now that there's going to come a day that him as a parent, as our father in heaven, is going to be telling a whole bunch of folks that weren't interested in him while they lived. Once the door shut, it's shut. There is no reopening it. Jesus said it. He's told us. And when you're on that side of the door, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But on the other side, they're going to come from the north and the south and the east and the west. Those that have been fighting, those that have been um, agonizing and striving to, to stay close to Jesus and stay on his narrow path. They're going to be coming from all directions and it's going to be good. So for us on this lesson, let it scare you a little bit. Let it concern your heart a little bit. It's natural to say, Lord, am I going to be on this side of the door or on this side of the door? But on the other side, not so much because we're going to leave this place and we're going, to be, we're going to be fighting for that belt of being a follower of Jesus and nothing's going to stop us. If I get hit down because of a temptation with my eyes, I'll close my eyes to that next time and I'm going to keep on. And if my heart gets distracted over here, I'm going to say no to that and I'm going to continue with my fight over here. Neither one of those UFC fighters ended up the fight without receiving one punch they both got hit it's not about a clean fight it's not about ever going through this perfect it is about a striving it's about a direction it's about trying to be a champion for jesus and that's what this lesson will be about and the good news is is we will get to come in and we will get to come in around the earth the challenges for us today and going into this next week is god make me a warrior for you uncompromising I don't need shows. I don't need all this fancy stuff. Just let me love like you love and serve like you serve. That's my model. That's my badging. That's my advertising. That's my life. Make me to love like you love and serve like you serve. And help me help my friends do the same thing. God help us be that church. Amen.
2: Let us declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray together in Christ Jesus for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, we pray for peace in the world, for unity and holiness within the church, for harmony, patience, and love within the family, and for all that contributes to the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for protection against acts of violence and terror, for just and fair laws, for those charged with the responsibility of leadership in our nation and throughout the world, for good order, and for all to enjoy safety in their homes. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for the church, that you prosper the preaching of your word, for all pastors and church workers to know and pursue your holy will, for this congregation as we continue to seek your guidance on how to live and live as and make disciples. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the sick and those who suffer, For those troubled in mind or heart, for the grieving in their sorrow, and for the dying in their last days on earth, for the person here today who thinks they need you the most, for the person here today who thinks they need you the least, for those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who have wandered from the faith, for those who have been absent from the Lord's house for those whom we have hurt or wounded in word or deed, and for the reconciliation of all by the forgiveness of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
1: Into your hands, merciful God, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and your love. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we boldly pray. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread.